Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. The headquarters of 3 Triple R FM. Some people say it is your station in isolation. It continues to be so. It does indeed. Even though the state is kind of rubbing its eyes and <laughs> waking up. And of course, we'll talk about the announcement earlier this morning about cafes and restaurants. We'll get onto that. But. In general, it feels... Mind you, it's still very quiet out there, isn't it? It is very, very quiet. And John, who we will be speaking to at the market, Tomato City John, mm. uh, was saying, where are, where the bloody hell are you? Yeah. Yeah, taking a, a little words from our Prime Minister. Actually, I rode through the city to get here today on my bike trying to do some exercise. And you I, did? I don't think I've ever seen it that empty. Even like, you know, maybe six weeks ago when everyone was like, oh, God, we've got to stay home. Yes. Um it was very, very eerie and empty and continues to be and probably will be for another few weeks, I'd say. You know who's really digging this? Whom? Skateboarders. <laughs> and BMX. Totally. Yes. Like, Absolutely. My urban playground is here all around the world. Um, hi there. You're listening to Eat It on 3 R FM. Mm. Uh, we need to thank the scientists, the doctors beforehand, in fact, all the people who've been broadcasting for you. We should big up. Uh, Dr. Shane and Einstein and Gogo for another edition of 20 PhDs. <laughs> of, of Zoom, and th- when too much Zoom is barely enough. The first time they did this, I was like, oh, this is amazing because they literally had 20 people queued up around the studio and, yes. and it was just a, a sight to behold. But walking in today, seeing Shane and his, his just one little computer screen there and about a thousand heads on it. Stacked. Beautifully choreographed. Stacked up and um, production-wise, faultless. Nice work. Yes, agreed. Uh, today's show, we're going to be um, talking about uh, the Premier's announcements and we're going to get comment from mm-hmm. one Tony Eldred from Eldred Hospitality. Yes. Um, oh, I mentioned the fact that my name's Cam Smith. You are... Oh, I'm Matt Stedman. Yeah, Hello. hi. How you going? And what else we got? We got uh, a longish market report. I've been a bit naughty. Well, he's got nothing else to do. He's saying if it's a bit quiet, there's no one buying tomatoes. So <laughs> thank God Cam's here to talk to. Yeah, well, you know, talk about we talk about turnip greens and sure. uh, and the difference between a Swede and a turnip. Ooh. And I started talking about Robbie Burns, <laughs> who liked his neeps and taties. But tune mm. in for that. And then um, also uh, we are going to be talking to Joe Varghetto, who mm. is um, a chef who has a couple places, um, mm. Mr. Bianco in High Street Q and Masai in Little Collins Street. Um, Joe is from Sicilian Extraction and um, he's been doing a pivot, we yes. could say. Jeez, we've all been pivoting, haven't we? Pivoting, word yep. of the year, word of the year. <laughs> um, flavours of the Sicilian Kitchen. Mm. And he's been doing some awesome stuff. Oh, like, really? His Instagram feed is quite wicked. Mm. Um, a chef of some note. Yes. We'll talk to him about um, what he's going to be doing. And also, I don't know, were you around for Mr. Gnocchi Man, Russell Bald? Yes, I was. They used to work together at Florentino. Ah. Yeah. That also, by the way, I was talking to the powers at B Mm. at 3 Triple FM, Mm. and they were saying, there's a lot of people that downloaded that podcast. 
because oh, it was really? all about how to make gnocchi yeah. at home. So if you've ever wondered about that, you need to go and check out our podcast. And how do they do that again, Matt? Oh, you just go to the Triple uh, R webpage, rrr.org.au. <laughs> you can get radio on demand. You can get <laughs> podcasts. Sorry. You can get. You can listen back. It's all good. Dot com. Dot org. Dot, dot org, baby. Yes, that's Not the com. No, that's, and, and that's what makes this different here. Speaking of dot com. Yes. Businesses Ooh. getting back uh, into business, shall we say. Yes. Uh, so earlier today, the government announced after – I actually look back, I think it was mid-March, sort of March 16, when yes. the announcement was made saying hospitality venues, you have to close. And the will changed. It did. Completely. It did. And this morning, um, the first step to reopening a lot of those businesses has now been allowed. So from June 1. The 1th of June. The 1th. <laughs> the one. Uh, the fact so uh, every so uh, cafes, restaurants, and pubs. There's no differentiation. Are going to be allowed to open with a maximum of twenty patrons. Ooh. Uh, of course, all the usual rules apply. So one person per four square meters, one and a half meters between everyone. I think we, we can just recite these like rote now. Yep. Um, and it's interesting. I saw one article said uh, part of uh, being allowed into these venues is you may have to uh, jot down your name and phone number or. Show or, that you have got the uh, the app. Yes, um, which is, I don't think has been mirrored in other states. It'll be interesting to sort mm. of digest any privacy implications around that. But in, in uh, general, it's good news. And then if all goes well, three weeks after that, uh, the 20 people maximum will go up to 50 people, which may be the point where some restaurants are able to open because, you know, we can talk to Tony about this, but can places really make money if uh, 20 people is the maximum? Some will, some won't. Indeed, in an industry that um, the profits were marginal anyway to very start off so, with. Yes. Very, very marginal. In fact, uh, a lot of people have been questioning the whole model that the hospitality system has been built on. Yes. And we, we've seen that and we've talked about that at length. So just to come in and say, look, you can have half occupancy mm. or two-thirds occupancy for – Again, we'll find out from yeah. Tony so, so I wouldn't expect to see everything open on June 1 at all, but <coughs> we'll learn more about that over the next couple of weeks. We need to look at these in a little bit more detail uh, in the coming weeks, but mm. I did want to talk about a couple of initiatives that are taking place mm-hmm. in regards to helping out um, places themselves mm. and also the people that are working within them. The first one I want to uh, talk about is a thing called Tip Jar. Tip jar. Yeah, tip jar. Yeah. It's got a good visual imagery. Are you looking at it? Can you see it? <laughs> Don't give any two-cent coins because that would be really rude. Gold coins. I've forgotten they even exist two-cent Yeah, yeah I know. I, I found some the other day. Anyway, it is a simple way to show support for people working in restaurants, cafes and bars. <clears throat> it's a new fund and it's run by Worksmith, mm-hmm. uh, .ion. Cool. I-O-N. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, no, that's I-O, isn't it? What am I doing? That's a, that's a typo. Uh, I-O, in association with uh, Street Smart um, AU. It's legit. The funds are split between social enterprises working in food, such as uh, Scarf Community. Mm-hmm. You know about those. Yep. Uh, and COVID-19 EAD Plus, direct support for temporary visa holders. Yes, which is very important, as we've covered many times on the show. And we have, and they're still feeding them down there at Attica and other places. That's got to be acknowledged too. The campaign encourages anybody to simply throw in a tip into the fund, uh, no matter how big or small, at Tip Jar. 
So check that mm. out. <clears throat> the other one that um, is a really, really interesting, and uh, Mario Simone, Mario, how you going, buddy, uh, from the King Street Espresso Bar, also mm. known as uh, Cafe Spriga. Mm. Do you remember? Yes. Yes. Um, and this great operation and a beautiful person who his whole ethos is about serving people and giving them a really special experience as they come in. Mm. Okay. They are having problems at the moment, obviously, as we all are. Hashtag Save Hospitality is a social impact initiative and it runs free of charge. And what it basically is, you pay things forward type yes. thing. So it provides a silver chef and in-kind, allows you to pay it forward by buying credit to your favourite restaurant or cafe. This credit will provide an invaluable cash flow injection that could make the difference mm. in a business being able to stay open um, there are quite a few places that are doing that. So um, Save Hospitality, tip jar, if you want to help out. Mm-hmm. There are two things. We might um, expand on those a little bit later. Yeah. Our fearless leader, Daniel Andrews, has mm. been out and about and um, has been giving a little bit of a time frame for well, what this industry might be like as we come out of uh, COVID-19. And we thought we'd just touch base with Tony Eldred from Eldred Hospitality to uh, – to get his thoughts, a very, very good afternoon to you. Tony, where have we found you? You at home? I'm sitting at home looking at the sunshine. Looking Beautiful. Beautiful. It's a v- lovely day. Yes. V- vitamin D for everybody, which yes. is kind of good. And we could say drinks for everybody too, but unfortunately when uh, the opening is happy, there won't be drinks for everybody because, uh, well, we're going to be very limited capacity. What are your thoughts uh, about, first of all, this, this whole thing? Um, how have you been, what have you been up to during this lockdown? Well, I always maintained a large uh, bank account as a safety margin in my business, so we didn't panic. We just laid out a whole heap of projects in our business that we'd been meaning to get around to for the last five years and hadn't had the time. So they've been producing new training materials, producing videos, uh, sorting out a lot of things that weren't quite right, revamping social media, all that sort of stuff, all the sort of stuff restaurateurs should be doing. Busy, 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 busy. And yeah. did you, um, did you, uh, have you seen the Premier's announcements? Yes, I did. I just read it uh, about an hour ago. Yeah, as we all have. So yeah. June 1 is going to be the soft opening, we could say. Yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting. It's actually quite difficult to reopen a restaurant. There's a number of things that have to be sorted. Um, I, I think there's going to be an initial, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, a lot of people are going to thunder out of their houses after eating two-minute noodles for months on end and go to restaurants. Yeah, there's uh, two conflicting with- things going here, aren't there? Because there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are starved of... Uh, the conviviality and also the, as you say, I will order off the card, something that I cannot yeah. cook at home, but yeah. we're going to have reduced capacity, so they're going to collide, aren't they? Very much so. I mean, the numbers that they're allowing are going to render a lot of rest- restaurants unviable. So I'd say even after the official, um, you know, allowing people to go back, I think a lot of restaurants will remain closed until they are allowed to have sufficient numbers to actually break even. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah, because we're looking, as I said before in the introduction, um, a lot of the models that this industry is built on is fairly marginal anyway. Oh, yes. 
Yeah, look, I know from looking at a lot of the figures of restaurants that are our clients prior to all this that a lot of restaurants didn't have any sort of a safety margin whatsoever. Mm. And the problem is the owners are now going to have to come up with a large lump of money to reopen. They have to uh, restock, which is going to cost them a lot of money. Uh, in a lot of cases, they've got to re- recruit new staff and train them because uh, all the overseas staff, as soon as they can, are going to go back home again. They're going to lose a lot of staff. And probably never to come back a lot of those too, with a very, very bitter taste in their mouths, it has to be said. Yes. Um, uh, the public are going to hit restaurants initially like they did in South Korea when they sort of relaxed, but very quickly it dropped off to way because the average member of the public didn't have much money to spend. A lot of them are in debt up to their eyebrows with uh, with uh, accrued debts that have occurred during this. They're going to be very careful about how they spend their money for a while. So value for money is going to be a premium. It's going to be very interesting. I think the real trouble starts when the, the government um, subsidies finish. 27 September, big day. Yeah, because that means that everyone's got to stand on their own and a lot of them won't be able to. Yeah. My my opinion is the government will continue some form of subsidies for a while. Depends who you speak from. to, Tony. There's a lot in the right wing who say this is... We've turned into communists anyway and we've got to stop this and we should probably... Actually, there are rumblings that Matt and I were talking that uh, there are elements of the Liberal National Party that want to end JobKeeper prematurely. Yes. Which would be madness, I think, because Matt and I said, I think they'll be coming, the population will come for them with pitchforks and tiki torches. Yeah, look, I've seen the arguments both ways, and there's a sneaking part of me that hates to admit it, but, you know, if a third of the industry was wiped out, uh, it would actually provide a much more stable platform for those who survive. Well, I've got to say, uh, Tony, you've been advocating that for about 20 years, haven't you? Yeah, but as I've seen the industry (laughs) growing... Yeah. Um, Well, look, everybody's in a Mexican standoff about prices at the moment. You know, they need to put their prices up and they can't because of intense competition. And also, and let's also, as you mentioned before, the lack of money in the economy and people with not that much discretionary income anyway. Yeah. I mean, I was just looking at my own circumstances and... You know, there's commercial rent that has to be paid off after this, you know. But, um, there's uh, a bunch of bills that we've held off paying, all that sort of thing. So even just for my business, we're talking about uh, $20,000 or $30,000 that has to be come up with quickly. Mm. And I, a lot of the bigger restaurateurs that I, uh, restaurants that I deal with are going to have to come up with quite a large lump of money to get reopened. It's going to be pretty scary. However, I, yes. I have ultimate faith in the resilience of humanity. Well, and the well, we, we are adaptable. Um, yes. We we've certainly found that out in the last couple of months. <sighs> but, An interesting question at this stage, Cam, is um, a lot of people have rediscovered cooking at home. Yes, and I'm interested in the longer term effect of that. Whether whether that will mean that. A lot more, a lot less people frequent uh, restaurants than perhaps what they did in the past. What and are the all, reasons? All you have to ask yourself: What are the reasons for people eating out, though, too? Because that that sort of informs it as well, doesn't it? 
Yeah, a lot of people ate out because they couldn't be bothered cooking, but there are fringe mm. benefits to cooking at home other than the food, and that is the, uh, the communal family all sitting around the table having dinner. And you can drink more too. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so, Don't get you know, breath going down the hallway. <laughs> things, will, things will change as a result of this. Um, I'd be intrigued as to what the new world is, is like, but I think value for money is going to be a premium. Yeah. Uh, which means that I think every restaurant is going to have to redo its menus. There's an extra cost. Yes. You know, it takes a while to do that. The supply chains have been completely disrupted and a lot of the suppliers won't come back. And there ain't going to be a lot of credit going on. It's going to be COD no. all the way. Uh, yeah, well, sorry, and we mean cash a, on delivery. So, if, it, if you're a supplier that was holding four or $500,000 worth of debt at the time this first hit... Uh, you're going to have a problem. And as soon as we're allowed to trade again, you're going to try and recoup as much of that money as you can. Mm. So, you know, a lot of suppliers were out to 60 days or whatever with yep. you know, with restaurants, etc. And they're unlikely to have got any of that money during this. So they're going to be in a very difficult position. The uh, landlords of rented premises or leased premises are going to want to try and recoup as much money as they can. Do you think so, that we'll see um, a push for rents to go down a bit? Yes, I do. I think that, look, mm, we're going to be a wash inevitable. with empty... We're going to be a wash with empty premises. I've got a couple of clients who are actually looking at, at for restaurant sites, and I said to them, just hold off at the moment. You'll it's be able to have to pick and choose of them in a couple of months' time. They'll be all over Melbourne. I was going to say, it's a courageous move, Minister, uh, to go in now. Uh, what about fine, fine dining? Those two words, how do they relate to the, the market now? That's going to be one of the toughest areas, wouldn't it? Look, I can only go on previous economic disruptions, but fine dining suffers the most and is the mm. quickest. In the global financial crisis, the fine dining restaurants lost about 30 30 to 40 percent of their trade, while McDonald's and the other fast food companies lifted up 20, 30 percent. So long as you don't have a COVID outbreak in one of your stores. Yes. I mean, that's a, yes. <laughs> there's a bit of bad PR. <clears throat> um, yeah, interesting. I was asked yesterday about the uh, long term effects of viruses breaking out in restaurants, but I don't. I, I always give credit to the public's combined intelligence, even though a lot of other people don't. I don't think you're going to hold a restaurateur to account for something that he couldn't control. You know, if a customer comes in and gives somebody else the virus, I'm not sure that we're going to hold the restaurant. I mean, McDonald's would be interesting to see what happens in a month's time. If they've They've quarantined all the staff. They've disinfected the place from one end to the other. I reckon within a month you'll see it all back to where it was. Oh, agreed. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely, Tony. This is just a, a hiccup on a road to, uh, um, as you mentioned in the conversations we've had before, great profits because when times are very, very tough, people flock to fast food. It's cheap. It fills you up. Um, it's, uh, it's a good equation, isn't it? Yeah, and if you listen to gurus like Warren Buffett, you know, you should invest in counter-cycling. So, in other words, when things are really desperately poor, that's probably the time to start new business ventures or invest because mm. everything's only going to go up. Where's, so, the, where's the first place you want to go out to when all this lifts? Uh, that's an interesting question. There's a, uh, I'll go to a, a cheap Vietnamese 
in probably uh, Glen Ferry Road, Hawthorne, have a big bowl of fur. Mm. And, uh, yeah, probably the next one after that will be a, a good Japanese meal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah Matt and I are going, yeah, that sounds great. And and too much sake as well? Yeah, well, yeah. see, I'm, I own a part of restaurants that are heavy red meat and red wine, so you do... do you eat there a lot, and that's not something special anymore. No. I really enjoy uh, light, clean Asian food now. Me too. Me too. Yeah. You'd be, so that's, uh, where that's where I'm going to head. Be pretty good. All right, well, if you want to get in touch with Tony to uh, help you walk into the sunshine together, Eldred Hospitality, of course. Uh, Tony, it's always good to get your viewpoints. We're going to leave you to the rest of the day. Thanks for having a chat with us, Tony. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. It's a little bit cloudy. The, the clouds open up and the sun shines. Yeah. But today you came and said, hello, John walked away and the sun was impatient and it's out. With a vengeance, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful the day. The air's still a little bit crisp, but it's going to be a spectacular Melbourne day. This could be my favourite kind of day. I think so. I think so. I'm looking forward to it. Because it's warm in bed when you get out. You've slept well. Yes, the house is still warm. Oh, my God, there's still beautiful colour around from autumn. And the then, trees are looking magnificent. And you open the front door and you get a hello. Woo! Yes, but <laughs> like I said, in typical Melbourne... Crisp morning, beautiful days, makes you feel alive it and is, happy. It's a glorious day, I'd actually say, to get some people together. Enough, how many is it, ten we can um, congregate yeah, I, with? I think so. It's a good day for a picnic anyway, I reckon. Get outside because it's going to get colder. Uh, you're going to feel it on your bum, I reckon, because the ground's probably a little bit colder. <laughs> That's why you take a travel rug with you, buddy. Oh, right, OK. Or, or, <laughs> or a cardboard box, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we've done that before yeah, that's many a, a time. It's a good idea. It, it's good to improvise. All right, before we get started, though, I've never asked you this. Here we go, a question over all the years. Tell me your perfect picnic food. Yeah. What's in the hamper? Is it in a hamper? <laughs> Have you got, like, a... <laughs> I got this terrible image of you skipping with a basket. Yeah, yeah, when I was small, made up in the country, yes, of yeah, course. Johnny, Mate, come here. You know, we'd be at school all week, and um, yeah. Saturday we finished at midday, and Sunday was always free, and we work Sundays now, yeah. which is tragic in a way, but good in another. Yes. And we'd go out into the hills. My dad bought a, a Ford Zephyr in 1959. Whoa. Um, and we'd go out into the hills, you know, Sylvan, the Dandenongs, um, Warburton, uh, sometimes we'd go to Whittlesea. Yeah. Uh, at back of Tullamarine, we'd go picking mushrooms. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, seven-year-old with a picnic basket, why not? You'd be zipping along. You'd be yeah. happy to be out where there's no cars, no football, no radio, yeah. no nothing. Oh, now you've got the youngins. They can bring the basket. What's in the basket, though? Well, uh, we, we have a bit of everything, you know. We take our meat for our barbecue because we're cannibals. Yes. Um, we might take something that was left over from last night's dinner. Yes. Um, 
if we're not having a barbecue, we might even roast the chicken the day before or, or do schnitzels the day before. Yeah. But my favourite food is is what we call a spezzatino. Oh, spezzatino. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you chuck all your capsicums and zucchini and celery and tomato and, mm. and that in the pot. And um, it's not quite soupy and it's not quite a steam up. Yeah. And then, um, you know, it's got a little, a little bit of liquid in there and you chuck the egg in there. Yeah. And um, by the time you get to the picnic, the egg's cooked and you get the crusty bread out. Uh. And you dip in, uh, or if you've got a, a big hamburger bun, you know, you put a layer of that and your meat on top or, mm. or just cheese with it and, and go for it. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, we take the primus if we weren't going to light the fire and we'd warm it up. And, um, you know, when you got into the hills, it's still cold and it'll warm the cockles of your heart. Good home cooking and a lot of parsley in it as well. Yeah, well, that sounds good. And maybe early in the morning, a little bit of holy water just to get you going. Well, strange you should say that because it reminds me of the time we went out to Werribee. We had a a picnic in amongst the cauliflowers. And I would have been six or seven. Um, I've still got good memory for food. And um, after we'd had our barbecue... The farmer said to Dad, he said, come, come back to the house, we'll have a hot coffee then. Oh, okay, this is going. Everyone's sitting around and out comes a coffee, out comes a grappa. Mm. And he says, come here, Junior, he says, I've got something to put in your coffee. And I've got a big grin and my mum's jumping up and down. No, don't Ah, you dare. (laughs) And did you get some? Of course. Yeah. Mate, these these were big Pulantona guys from the north of Italy, mate. Big, robust guys, worked like Trojan horses, ate well, drank well. So, you know, they, they taught their kids like most Italians do. It's better to have a little drink. Um, uh, some don't agree, but I, I think that's right. Mm. Let them try it because if you stop them from trying it, you turn around and the bottles are gone. I had a mate like that. Yeah. You know, his dad had a, excuse me, a fully stocked cupboard locked Uh-oh. and they used to pick the lock and have a session when his old man was wasn't home, and that's not good. Yeah, the jungle so, juice. Yeah, yeah. No, no, this was a good good scotch. Oh, but oh, if they okay. learn, maybe mixed it all together. No, if they learn and they do it properly, that's good. My kids uh, are like that. Um, they're not stupid. They have a drink when they want to, but when it's not the right time, they don't do it. Well, I don't know. My parents, I was on half wine, half water yeah. from, I don't know, yeah. probably about five, six years old? Yes. And, and then I graduated to full strength when I was about 13. But getting back to a Cafe Coreto, uh, which is, um, we've spoken about this many, many times, I think it's one of the best things in the world. A beautiful coffee with a bit of milk and you only need 15 mil. You don't want to put too much because it spoils it. A little bit is beautiful. Yeah, we skipped the milk bit, mate. <laughs> yeah, okay, anyway, there we go. We're all, right. we're all different. Now, John's got show and tell, and okay. he's got... Uh, you want to start with these root vegetables? Mm. Let's start from the ground and we'll work our way up. Maybe we'll go the other way. We're going to start I'll, from I'll, the top I'll, and I'll work our way down. Because I want to talk about the change of seasons. All right, so he's... Right, um, so John maybe, has got a... Maybe a, we'll do it that way. First of all, it's got to be noticed. Gloved hand, because he's been doing good things in that thing. Two tomato, oh, um, four tomatoes in total. Look like sort of a black Russian-y type thing yes. that we'll get to. But you want to talk about these Doncaster tomatoes? Yes, we're going to start with the Doncaster hey. tomatoes. Huh? Huh? And, and we'll talk about, yes, um, I'll give you kudos for Thank that. you. Okay. Um, we'll talk about the change of seasons. Yep. Um, a lot of people have already lost their tomatoes, pulled the plants out, um, started buying, and they're saying to me, John, we've done with ours, we've got to buy yours, which is beautiful. 
but also, <clears throat> excuse me, we're lucky we can still spoil you. We're getting these Doncaster tomatoes, believe it or not, they're grown in cold stream now, uh, where it gets to minus degrees. Where Tony is, he's... Under, um, under plastic or glass? No, or? these are grown outside. Wow, um, it's like yes. got some special topography. No, no. Uh, no. yeah, topography. Sunday morning, baby. All right, hey. Um, yes, he's on the side of a hill. He's got the forest Big. behind. Yeah. He's got uh, pines on one side. He's got vines on the other side. Did have apples. He pulled them out because the birds were decimating them. Shelter from wind, place. good sun. Yeah, good yeah. sun, side of a hill. Yeah. Um, dams with fresh water, rainwater. Uh, and the plants, he plants um, three or four plantings a year. So it's not just one bang and then they're done. Mm. It's staggered planting, so we've got staggered crops. Mm. Uh, they're still coming from outside. Where he is, uh, it, it doesn't get to minus two. I think the cold, as you said, last year was one degree. So the tomatoes are still bearing. I've got one plant at home that's still bringing flowers. Um, so we've got the beautiful tomatoes, but as you can see, they're starting to look a little bit different. This one's got a uh, bruise from the stem of the tomato, but still, they're very crisp, very strong, very sweet. Mm-hmm. This one, um, <coughs> this first one you showed me, this Doncaster, it's a little bit, little bit pale, like the yeah. <coughs> there's not enough sun to to set the I can't remember what the name of the pigment is. In yes. The tomato. That yes. one. Yeah, anyway, they're not that red. Now but, you've got these black Russians. And we're blessed to have these black Russians. These came out of South Australia from a glass house. Uh, this is a flat variety, not the round Kumoto. I don't like those because they're glassy and no flavour. Yep. This one's always crisp. Medium it's, size. Medium size. It's got a beautiful green hue and the red's coming through. Yep. Tomorrow they'll be um, just perfect to eat. If you don't like them green like me, I don't like them green. A lot of flavour. Um, and we're blessed we've got a heap of other heirlooms. I think we had about 14 varieties on Thursday. Um, we've sold out a half of them. The other half, are, we've still got a few left. So we've still got lots of yeah. tomatoes. So when Tony's tomatoes finish, uh, what, we're nearly the end of May, yeah. maybe the end of June, mm. if we're lucky, uh, we'll start with Murray Bridge tomatoes, mm. OK? So they'll be beautiful again as well. So that brings us to the change of season that I was trying to head to. Yep, you're there. And, and now we're there. Yep. And we got these beautiful shiny eggplants. Look at that colour. The colour um, is unbelievable. It, it, it's, it's that light magenta that sort yes. of come through. And it's the great thing about eggplants, they're always a bit two-tone. Even when they're like this, there's That's right. a bit of darkness underneath that. Now, these are baby eggplants the size of, say, maybe two eggs together. Yeah, good. Yep. This size is ideal because... Um, the Greeks cut them in half, pull out the inside, mush up the inside, stuff it back in. Oh, they do the, what they call yeah. like a slipper, uh, it's called. It, it, yeah. It's, yeah, it means slipper. Um, and we do the same, and we also slice them and batter them and fry them. The Indians put them into a curry. Um, most nationalities eat these baby ones, and they love them if they can find them. And the great thing about eggplant, you know it out there, don't you, folks, is that it just sucks up flavour. It is. They are yeah. definitely flavour sponges. That's why they put them in a curry. And careful when you fry them because they suck up oil and before you know it... Yeah, yeah. when you make sure your oil's hot and um, you make sure that they're on up high so they can drain any oil out of them once you take them out. Good idea. Now we've got to the rooty now, vegetables. Because I was feeling cold and crisp this morning, I thought yeah. this might be a good idea to talk about turnips because we've never talked about them, I don't think, properly. No, and we've got both two different types, and, and one that I always... Well, there's the white ones and the yellow ones. That's right. Known as a turnip, also known as a swede. Well, this is a swede turnip, and this one's a white turnip. Ooh. So they're cousins. 
Cousins. But they're different, you know. Yeah, um, they sure are. This uh, brown one is a Swede turnip. It's got a, um, a, a reddish hue on the top where it's probably just sticking out of the ground. Mm. Um, this is a stronger Swede, I say to people. It's strong, sour. Um, if you're making a soup, you put a little bit in. It really makes the soup. No, not too much. Not too much. Not too much if I sort of take over. That's right. If you're baking it, I've you cut that. it smaller than your potato. Yep. I find them quite sweet. A lot of people say, oh, they're sour, but they're not. Um, okay. And also they make a Cornish pasty. If you don't have a sweet in a Cornish pasty, it's not right. I've got one more thing for you to do with these. We, we don't talk about Scottish food much, do we, John? No, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. There's a dish called neeps and taties. Yeah. Neeps and taties. <laughs> and what a neep and tatie is is where you, you boil these up pretty much one-to-one um, and you mash them together. Yeah, put and a pound of butter in. You put a pound of butter, that's it. <laughs> and like my grandfather was notorious for that. You know? Butter, butter, butter. <laughs> and then lots and lots of, of freshly ground pepper. And uh, if you're into uh, a Scottish poet by the name of Robert Burns, yeah. who was famous for, say, um, uh, the uh, Mice and Men, um, the thing he's been about, uh, Act to Go Anew. Anyway, the greatest plans of Mice and Men are Act to Go Anew. Robbie Burns' night, you're supposed to have haggis and neeps and taties. But, uh, so if you're a vegetarian and that disgusts you, well, don't worry about it. You can have these great dish with bread, lots of bread, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, there are many ways you can do... Now the white sweets. ones. Now the white ones is cousin. Now, um, we try to buy them with the leaves on because these have been picked four or five days and the leaves are yellowing a little bit, but the turnip's still vibrant. Turnip green. Uh, yeah, we, we actually cook these because it's a similar flavour to the Italian rubber, the Italian broccoli. Yeah. Um, early in the season, we, we always chop the leaves off, take them home instead of throwing them out because it, they're really, really sweet. Yeah. Give them a light boil or a steam, a little bit of olive oil and plenty of garlic and there's your extra green on the plate. Um, got a lot of fibre, a lot of vitamins, a lot of iron as well. Yeah, and the flavour is good. A lot of damn goodness. Yeah. And, the, and, of course, um, Southern America, we were talking to Aaron Turner <coughs> last week, has a chicken shop in Geelong, does beautiful southern fried chicken. That's a thing. It's a dish. Turnip greens. Yes, yes. I said to um, an American um, the other day, is it similar to a collard green? Is it similar but not the same things? Um, yeah, collard greens a little bit different. That's another dish again. And then there's um, poke weed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot yeah. of good stuff, a lot of yeah. wild weeds, but good for you. Mm. Now, these are very vibrant, a nice shiny white with a purple head on top. Um, my grandfather used to eat these um, raw. He'd peel them and be sitting there eating them. And people would say to him, what are you eating? Oh, an American apple. And he'd, <laughs> right. and he'd give them a slice and people would say, oh, unusual texture but beautiful flavour. And I'm killing myself laughing and he's looking at me strange and saying, what are you two doing here? But he used to love them raw. Um, the 70s and 80s, the ideal thing to do with these was to steam them and make a honey glaze and, Ooh, and yeah. serve them up beside a roast. They take a bit um, of sweetness, well. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, we put these into a soup, yeah. uh, steamed on their own with a bit of our own top. Yeah, a little bit tangy, um, yeah. not my cup of tea, but beautiful in a soup. Or we could go Middle Eastern, Turkish. Yes. Pickle them. Yes. And you put a bit of the juice of beetroot in there, which which makes them go that amazing colour 
Well, actually, yesterday um, a man and his wife bought three bunches of these, so that's um, nine turnips and five vertrets. And I said, oh, you're going to pickle them? Yeah. And he looked at me. I said, I've been around. They've been here a long time. Hey, come on, huh? uh, they're beautiful the way they do them. The turnip for flavour, the beetroots for colour. Yep. And a lot of times they actually leave the beetroot in, not just the juice, because that sucks up the flavours as well. And they have a feast with it. It's amazing. It's a forgotten vegetable, unfortunately. And it's good to have in the fridge. All right, I can't believe we've... Oh, my God, we're over time. Sorry. You better give me that pick of the market and right. get out of here. Pick of the market again. We got those huge parsnips. Uh, you saw the photo last year. Dad had one a kilo and a half, but they're not quite that big today. Um, they go well in the soups. They go well everywhere. Unfortunately, we sold out a piece today. They were nice and young. People were buying them to eat raw. Mm. Uh, you were eating a green bean. I said to you, they could have been picked two days earlier because they had a harder bean in it, but normally they've got a beautiful jelly when you break them in half. Very tasty. Yeah. People are still buying... $11. Yes, people are still buying cabbage for coleslaw. Um, Mum said she's given Dad uh, corned beef and cabbage um, oh. tonight instead of um, having a big pasta meal today. Lucky boy. We've had uh, beautiful big Dutch carrots, normally the size of a normal carrot, um, which is unusual, but they're so juicy and sweet. They're beautifully raw, chuck them in a roast. Again, you can do them with a honey glaze like in the 70s and 80s. Um... Again, what can I say? You name it, we got it all. We're just so lucky here in Victoria. People have got no idea. And unfortunately, I'm going to tell you it's been tragic, like I said last time. The people are not coming to the market as much as I would like. But we're still doing okay. Some places are jumping. We're all happy. That's oh, good to hear. Hey, and it's a beautiful day out there, so... It's a beautiful day to be alive. Come to the market, come and grab a few bits and pieces, and you can go and... Uh cook up a storm. Well, I was going to say, throw down the picnic blanket, or maybe um, John might be able to give you a box to sit on to keep your bum, <laughs> keep your bum warm. And then you slide down the muddy hill. Hey. I got into trouble for that many times. It's, it's a beautiful life. It John, is. thank you as always. We'll see you soon. Have a lovely day, everyone. Uh, Mr Bianco in 285 High Street and... 20. Yep, correct. And, and yeah. celebrating the flavours of the Sicilian kitchen. We are. We're celebrating the flavours of the Sicilian Kitchen, which is uh, from Thursday to Saturday from 5, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., which is um, uh, an order an order either online or phone in and come and pick up. And we also have our our, our business that we... It, it all started, I, I think, kind of everything on the 16th of March, which I called it the Italian job, uh, being the, old, the older movie from uh, Michael Caine in 1969, um, which was, you know, tongue-in-cheek, uh, and it's not funny, but it's where the Chinese were delivering gold bullion to Torino in Italy. And, uh, you know, my love of the, the mini car and the, and the movie, mm. um, I thought it was pretty fitting um, to, call it, to call it that. The only um, thing that I really, that, that just tore my heart out at the beginning of the Italian job was they destroyed a Lamborghini Miura. Oh, it still hurts. It was, a beautiful, it was a beautiful drive, though. Yeah, yeah. Up the mountain, up the mountain of the, you know, Stelvio and, and so on. But, uh, Stelvio. Yes, mm. exactly. Um, hopefully it was in that car. Maybe it was something else, but it probably was. Yeah. But um, the thing, I guess we're talking, we're going to uh, try not to use the P word because, uh, oh, there we go. I got a little laugh from Matt, my producer. 
Um, but th this is the thing. We've, you, the things that you guys have had to do, and I mean you guys, the restaurant industry, to, mm. to keep swimming. And we keep have. Um, I think it's, uh, it's, been tough for, it's been tough for everyone. And living through sure. this, it's, uh, you know, every, I think everyone in hospitality, and not just hospitality, in the cascade of, of the suppliers, um, your, your, the whole group around you. Um, it's been tough. It's been tough for everyone. And, and I think, you know, hospitality has been one of those that has carried, a, you know, has one, one of the tough ones or the first ones to kind of get knocked, get knocked over, but the tourism industry as well, and the travel agents. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's tough for a lot of people. Um, but the sad thing that I've been seeing as well is that there's some people out there that are actually uh, making a lot of money out of it, and we need we need some sort of uh, fairness, I think, to to come back to a lot of this once we're moving forward. And I know that there's been an announcement that we're allowed 20 people, which is fantastic. It's it's great to move forward. Yes. Um, Will you be getting but, 20? Are you able to make any money with 20 people in the place? Um. My mum always said to me, if you've been given something, mm -hmm. uh, if you're strong enough and if you're enough, you can do it. So, Joe, Giuseppe, or she used to call me Pippo, <laughs> Pippo, work it out, do it, and come back to me with a, with a, uh, with a solution because I don't want, uh, but this was all said in uh, Italian or dialect. And I'd go, go out or she would go out and, and we'd, we'd do something. So, I think with our collective brains, you know, through the hospitality, there are some uh, some fabulous operators, um, absolutely world class operators we have in in, uh, in Melbourne. And I'll be honest, I think we also have uh, some operators which don't deserve to carry the same badge as the others. Um, and maybe it's an opportunity for them to kind of exit slowly out of uh, stage door right. Hmm. But the right ones need to continue on and uh, and band together and create an industry which we're all very very proud of. And I'm very very proud of. I've been in this for 26 years. I think it's really strange. I'm an old. I kind of say to myself, I'm a bit like an old dinosaur now because the way that I was trained is uh, kind of not seen as um, as the correct way. And I'm, I've been changing my style. Um, um, you know, but. I think you can make money out of uh, 20 people. You just need to. You just need to. I think as a as a group of hospitality operators, we need to stay together. We can't undercut each other. Mm -hmm. We have to work out a plan forward and uh, and not and you know something we need to maybe look at other industries, whether it be the lawyers, whether it be the pharmacy industry, whether it be the building industry, or something. We need to kind of um, set a roadmap and say, okay, we need to have our our employees uh, wanting to work in our restaurants because they want to become a restaurant manager. So, if they start as a waiter, you know, a waiter I think is 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 not a, a demeaning job. I think a waiter is a fabulous job because you a waiter can either you know give you a lot of enjoyment and experiences and happiness or um, you know, you can have a really foul night and, uh, and 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 destroy a birthday party, or or and we need to make these industries, especially front of house, a, a, a career. 
And I think if we can have a solution through that, a lot of the other uh, problems um, will be eradicated. Uh, I think as well uh, creditors and suppliers need to be paid uh, within um, a period of time, whether it be seven days or 14 days or immediately, because I think it's very unfair that if you go to Maya and you buy a, um, a jacket, uh, that company gets their money immediately through the credit card. You don't have to but, wait for 30 days for it, yeah. But, I, uh, but Cam, you know, the, the industry, as you scratch the surface and you get deeper and deeper and deeper into this um, into this uh, well, well, let's say this well, um, you know, there are some out there that are, you know, on 150, 180 days. It's just, it's just not right. And, and, and some of the operators have to pay for, uh, you know, vegetable increases in prices because of, you know, someone not paying or... Um, so every, everybody gets gets dragged down. I think we can see that this industry, on the whole, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's been there's been terrible days. But I think you'd have to agree that the good operators, the um, a lot of people have been um, maintaining their businesses under grace, creativity, mm-hmm. and most importantly, a little bit of humour as well. Correct. Yeah. I mean, we, we see so. see that in your um, – I have to commend your Instagram posts that you <laughs> have been doing. Um, <laughs> I and don't know what I was doing, to be honest with you. A lot of the times I was by myself for, you know, a week or so. And, <laughs> and luckily, you know, I've got a, a core of some fabulous staff. And, you know, there's two restaurants. There's Mr. Bianco and Marcy in the city and, mm. and, and you know, Fabio and Jade and, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's uh, staff that I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't had them around me, and um, oh, you name it. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's done because you got to say to yourself, all right, um, do I sit back and don't do anything and sit on my hands, or do I kind of stand up and, you know, an old saying, do I kind of die standing up with the sword in my hand, or do I kind of? <laughs> Uh, die kneeling, begging for mercy, which they're going to cut my head off anyway. So yep. I'd rather be standing. It's, and, you know, it's the same as we were speaking to Shannon Martinez, mm-hmm. uh, Smith and Daughters. Oh, yeah. She's the same thing. She's a like, God, the wog just comes out of me and I just put the feet on mm-hmm. the floor and I just want to fight mm-hmm. and, and keep and on she, doing. You came up with an idea. Be, for, she should be commended as, as well and she does a great job. She does for, a great job. And, person and, um, and, there, and, and there are so have, many others that are doing the great job. And I have to say, the, the idea of um, we thought we just we've only got about four minutes. I hate the way time flies, so I'll, I'll keep moving quick. Flavors of the Sicilian Kitchen. Tell us a little bit about what that is and how you define those flavors. Well, a- absolutely. So I've got my. I've been writing a book um, that's going to be coming out. It's called uh, Really Siciliano. So that'll be launched in September, October. We're still kind of negotiating a date when it's correct, but, you know... Well, I reckon can, uh, October probably sounds better, to oh, be yeah, honest with you. Right. Yeah, I reckon. I'll, I'll, um, uh, and that's ready to go. So yeah. um, we're getting it, obviously, it's, it's printed, and we're just obviously finalising the date when we're going to launch it. But the Sicilian Kitchen is basically a lot of the recipes and, some, and, some, and uh, all, all from that. And... And we're, we're thinking about, if I can just cut across here and excuse me for doing this, but it mm-hmm. is a cuisine of the sun. 
The it's science, a, cuisine of the sun, the cuisine of the mountains, cuisine of the water, of the sea. cuisine of spices, cuisine of different cultures, cuisine mm. of, of um, I say, you know, can be bipolar as well. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful and it's, you know, macabre and it's, it's, it's an island where, you know, a lot of things have, uh, great things have, have come from, like, you know, for example, Ice cream and uh, cannoli and a lot of spices and beautiful food and uh, you know people live long because of the the, the natural and uh, of the nutrition the, how they and the, but also there's a lot of uh, other things from that as well but um, the flavors of the Sicilian kitchen is basically going back to mum's mum's food yeah. done done um, with some fabulous produce the local produce of of our beautiful state and our beautiful country, um, you know. So things like cavatelle with, uh, with the Turong farm flour or semolina, the eggs that are um, uh, local. We've got um, other other products on there like schiacciata. We've got the panaka musa, which is the you know, lung and spleen bun with ricotta and lemon. We've got uh, salt. Uh, salt crusted uh, baked barramundi, which is which is absolutely fa- fabulous, and I forgot I took one home last night to bake in the oven myself. And I mean, Jesus Christ, you know this is this is absolutely beautiful. Again, so it's 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 real, it's natural, and it's the things that uh, I enjoy doing. And a lot of people have have tasted it, and they said well, we we love it, Joe. So keep going. And so said, you okay, also have a chance I don't to. Let you down. Sorry, Joe, yeah. you can also add chilli as well, which I I kind of yeah. like. Um, we only have a couple. Oh, Jesus, there's only one more minute left. I'm sorry about that. Um, we need to speak with you again soon because I've missed having you on the show. Um, yeah, before we, Anytime you like, Cam. And it'll happen, but um, before we do go in the oh, 30 seconds left, uh, we need to acknowledge the passing of a great man, your father, uh, Salvatore, who uh, who passed on, so um, uh, we send our, our, our love to Thank you, you and, and thoughts. Mm-hmm. He was battling Alzheimer's, like a lot of you know, a lot of elderly uh, immigrants that have you know came here in the fifties and sixties, and uh, you know they, they worked really, really, really hard. Worked his in those guts times, out, yeah. you know, building building the Vic roads or the, the railways, and you know they were just. I never complained, and uh, you know he was battling advanced Alzheimer's for the last ten years. So I think it's been it's been very hard on me, to obviously during this time. But um, you know, it's it's good that he's now with mum and his family. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 